Welcome to Words to Inspire, lifelong empowerment from God's Word. I'm Ruth Coghill, your host. Have you ever wondered if and where you fit into God's plan? Today, I'll join by phone best-selling author and speaker Liz Curtis Higgs, who will answer that question over the next few months. Through Liz's study book, The Girls Still Got It, she shows how our sovereign God used an unlikely candidate greatly to accomplish his purposes, Biblical Ruth. You won't want to miss Liz's insights and research into this amazing story of redemption. Welcome back to Words to Inspire, Liz Curtis Higgs. What a treat to be walking through the book of Ruth with you, Ruth. It, it, yes, and I love it that you, you repeat my name because it's like an echo, and I love this story partly because I was named after this biblical character by my father, and uh, what a journey we are having. We're today on our fourth segment, and we're going to cover Ruth chapter 2, verses 18 to chapter 3 up to verse 6. And last time we left that beautiful picture of Boaz inviting Ruth to have lunch. And Ruth, what was your comment on that beautiful picture as we closed off our last segment? Right, we talked about the fact that even as Boaz invites Ruth to come and be at his table, not to stand in the periphery like a servant would, but to actually sit at the table. Um, In the same way, God says to us, "You're, you're not an outcast, you're not on the edge. I want you right here next to me. In fact, Boaz feeds her from his hand. He offers her grain from his hand. I love that because God does the same for us. We are seated next to him as he feeds us. It's just such a beautiful picture. Ruth really had to humble herself in so many ways. And one of the ways that, uh, that we must not forget is that she had a past. She did. She was a Moabitess. She was from a people that were born out of incest. Um, you'd have to pop back in Scripture and look at the story of oh. Mrs. Lot and the two little Lots to know that whole story. <laughs> oh, yes. It's, it's an ugly one. You know, people have said, well, why don't you put Lot's daughters in in uh, Bad Girls of the Bible? I said, honey, they'd have to be in really, really, really bad. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> the, Moabites, you know, we're, the Moabites are born of incest, and so it's one of the many reasons that the Israelites wanted nothing to do with the Moabites. And we always have to remember... That was Ruth's background. In fact, all through the book of Ruth, uh, we see those references, Ruth the Moabitess. So we don't forget from whence she came, uh-huh. because it, and not as a punishment to her or thinking less of her. On the contrary, what it says is, look what God can do. Exactly. Very exactly. unpromising material. And I'm sure, Liz, as I do, I meet so many people that say, but look what I've done. Oh, yes. Look what, I I can't forgive myself. I can forgive that person, but I can't forgive myself. I'm thinking about Ruth, and what process did she need to go through? And we're not going to discuss that, but let's just remind ourselves that this is a woman with a past, and we're not given a lot of details, but we know that she lived in a country of foreign gods, Many gods, as you remind us, small g, and there was a lot of immorality surrounding serving those gods. There was a lot of of sacrifices. And here we see her coming to the table of Boaz. The kinsman redeemer. The kinsman redeemer. Oh, I just wish that every listener today that has a past that is eating away, that is consuming them with guilt, 
and they're just not ready to forgive themselves, what do you say to them, uh, Liz? I hear that so, so often. I can forgive everybody else, but I can't forgive myself. Well, it's interesting. I have a sidebar here, but I wrote an entire book on that subject called Embrace Grace, mm. where I address this situation of forgiving yourself. The truth is, we don't have the power to forgive our own sins. What we have to do is embrace what God has already given to us. He says, my grace is sufficient. And so it's really, when we say, I, I, you know, I can't forgive myself, I know God has forgiven me, but I can't forgive myself, what we're really saying is, I don't believe God's forgiveness is powerful enough. Ouch. Ouch, yeah. Well, I don't think we need that. <laughs> Ouch. It's what we're essence we're saying. And so to that dear one, I say, embrace this grace. It's a gift. It is not something you're going to earn or deserve. You don't have the power to forgive but God does and has. It's a finished work. Oh, Grace that's... is sufficient. And so I get it totally. I mean, I, I have a past just like Ruth and our story has a yes. past. I do too, as yep. many of us do. And yet we all have a past. About is how to move past your past. Yes. I, I love the way you've, you've uh, addressed that as we get into this fourth segment today because the story is so, we get wrapped up in so many of the details now and how this is all unfolding in God's divine plan using such an unlikely candidate, by the way, uh, to, to do a great work to show a picture to us of how great is our Redeemer. But to those that are not in that place yet, we want to welcome you to Ruth's background and see that God can take anybody, no matter where we've come from, no matter what the sin, there's no sin so great that God's love cannot go deeper still, as Corey Ten Boom always reminded us. And so today we get into this next uh, part of the scripture, and we see that now she's gleaned and she's carrying a whole ephah of grain back to her mother-in-law. Right, about 30 pounds. So it's, wow, no, it's, 30 pounds. When I carry 30 pounds to an airport, honey, it's on me. <laughs> <laughs> but she's got it on her back. And what's fun is, remember how, how grim Naomi was in chapter 1, how, how sorrowful she was, how bitter she was. Well, now that food walks in the door, Naomi <laughs> yeah. is suddenly excited, and she said, blessed be the man who took notice of you. Remember what Ruth said? Yes. Was it you've noticed me? And, and Naomi says, blessed be that man. Now, she doesn't use God's name yet, and she doesn't know the man's name yet, but she's already, her attitude is changing, and she's starting with the word blessed or blessed be the man. So Ruth, of course, tells her about the one at whose place she's been working. And remember I told you Boaz is an exclamation point. Listen to Ruth 2.19. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz. Wow. But this huge dramatic buildup. And now Naomi explodes again. The Lord bless him. So now it's not just kind of bless him, but the Lord bless him. You know, on a personal note, I so often will say to people, bless you. And God has asked me, could you please use my name? Mm. So now I'm trying to always say, God bless you. Yes. Um, whether it's a sneeze or whether you're <laughs> thanking somebody for doing something kind, God bless you. His name needs to be there. And Naomi knows that. And she says, the Lord 
bless him. He's not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. And this is a huge statement because remember before she said, God has, has, his hand is against me. Now she's being an awareness. He's not stopped showing his kindness. Mm. Even when his hand was against me, it was out of his kindness. Wow. Huge, huge turnaround for Naomi. This is thrilling. And then she tells uh, Ruth something about this this man that she worked for. She said, that man is our close relative. He is one of our kinsmen redeemers. That kinsman redeemer, that is a phrase almost exclusively used in the Bible in the book of Ruth. So it's critical. And I always thought it was a delicious phrase, kinsman redeemer. It just always gave me goosebumps. Yes. I don't know why. It just has it's so much power to it. And so... Um, then Ruth the Moabitess said, don't you love it? Here we go, back to Ruth the Moabitess, reminding us of her background. He even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Yes. So not just a day, no. not just the three weeks it's going to take to do the barley, but all six weeks for, for barley and then wheat. So we've got a month and a half. A lot will happen in six weeks. This is absolutely a beautiful story that's unfolding, and I love, like you say, how we are constantly reminded that Ruth, the Moabitess, right. it's reminding us of from when she came. One thing that I th- was thinking of that just came to my mind that wasn't in, in my plan, but I, I just want to stop for a sec, because as you were saying, Naomi is changing her mind, and, and it seems like now the comments are so positive, the Lord bless him, and so on. It just came to me that Naomi is back where she belongs. Yes. And our perspective when we're where we belong, changes. It does. She's also in a place of blessing. Remember I said, yes. blesses his people when they are in the promised land. Wow. No promise to bless them in the Moabs of their life. And now that she's back, here's God already, literally from day yes. one, blessing Naomi, and he's opened her eyes to see it from his hand. Um, so, yes, thrilling. It does change our perspective when we are where we belong. Yes, so. that's that sweet place, even though things are not always going exactly perfectly. It, the story's not over yet, but boy, I'll tell you, what a change of scene we have now. Provision is a, such a blessing. And I love it that she is saying, the Lord. Yes. The Lord. Change. And what's also interesting is now she also is going to be more concerned about Ruth than she was. Yeah, that's right. It will be good for you, my daughter. Yes. I love that. That's just what, that's exactly what Boaz called her, my daughter, to go with his girls because in someone else's field you might be harmed. Part of me is saying, hey, Naomi, could you not have mentioned that before? Uh-huh. She said she was going to go out in the fields. Wouldn't that have been the time to say, um, be careful? But she hasn't. And now she's, now she's, stepping into her role as a mother-in-law. She's doing the right thing. Yes. She is thinking beyond herself. Beyond her pain and her sorrow. Beyond her pain, beyond yeah. her, yes. her little world, and thinking about Ruth's 
safety, which is huge. Uh, to the uh, to words to inspire. Prior to the show, we were just talking about the provision that uh, that Naomi is beginning to see, and how she's beginning to care for her daughter-in-law. A change of mind, a change of heart, and then verse one in chapter three. Wow, what does she say to? Ruth, in chap- this one really, really gets me, because she's really changed her thoughts about Ruth. Yes, yeah, six weeks have gone by, and one day, the Bible says, so we know some time has passed, her mother-in-law says, should I, oh, my daughter again, my daughter, my daughter. personal, yes. should I not try to find a home for you where you'll be well provided for? Now, theoretically, Ruth has a home. She's living in Naomi's old home. But this is much more than that. This is, you deserve the best. You'll be well provided. You won't have to be a gleaner anymore. And let's find a home for you. It is so big. Naomi has moved into a whole place. She knows now, God has not forgotten me. God is going to provide for me. And because I know that, then I can worry about other people being provided for. Again, this is Naomi moving out of herself and on to other people. I think the greatest measure of our growth in Christ is not how much we read the Word or go to church or say we love Him. Honestly, I think we really see Christ at work in us when we are out doing His work for others. Mm, Wow. So that's really where we see the maturity of faith. And I say this because I need to hear it. <laughs> oh, absolutely, that reminder. And Liz... And hours in the Word, and that's all great, but if you're not doing the Word, yeah. uh, I think James talks about that. <laughs> he, he sure does. He gives us a really smacking good lesson on it, actually. Sure. I, I love this, though, because I see here in this first verse where she's saying, should I not try to find a home for you where you will be well provided for? Didn't she back in chapter 1 when they were having that little discussion at the crossroads there, didn't she say, may the Lord grant that each of you find uh, husbands, homes, where you will be well provided for? And, but she was talking about going back to Moab at that point. That's right. And here, God in his divine sovereign plan, we see that glimpse. It's almost humorous in a way because her prayer is being answered, but it's in the land of Bethlehem. It is in the land of Bethlehem. And this is the perfect place to right. be provided well, for. <laughs> um, had, had spoken a blessing over Ruth in Ruth 2.12, where he prays for her to come under God's wings. Yes. And, of course, when he said that, little could he guess that he was going to be the one who spread his wings over her. And yes. so there's a lot of um, parallelism, is what they call it for us English majors, um, where, you know, stories come around. In this, there's little circles in the book of Ruth where something is said, and then later it's come around and tied up with a bow. It's kind of amazing. And so now she says, Ruth, Naomi says, it's not Boaz with whose <laughs> servant girls you've been a kinsman of ours. <laughs> no. Like, la-di-da, by the way, what about Boaz? I know. And just so fun. Uh, there is great humor, I think, particularly in this scene. Then she says, tonight he'll be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Now, the threshing floor was not a safe place for a woman to be. It really wasn't. Most of the women who would have been on the threshing floor would have been, to put it politely, working women. Okay, And so there would have been no place for a good girl like Ruth on the threshing floor. 
So just remember that. This is a very daring thing that Naomi is suggesting. She tells her to wash, perfume yourself, put on your best clothes. In other words, dress like a bride. Yes. Oh, what, what powerful words. Dress like a bride. Then go down to the threshing floor, you know, which just is meant to make us go, oh, no, not no. her. Not there all clean and dressed up and beautiful. That's the worst place. But don't let him know you're there until he's finished eating and drinking. Well, that is funny, Ruth. <laughs> Every woman knows. You only ask a man for something when he's well-fed and happy. <laughs> yes. The way to a man's heart. <laughs> yep. It's, it goes way back. <laughs> then she says this other really daring thing. Go and uncover his feet. Hmm. Um, that is not tradition. Oftentimes when we read the book of Ruth, we think, well, of course, that's how things were done. Things were never done in the Bible like this until the book of Ruth. Neither biblically nor historically do we find this example until after Ruth. So this was, this was huge. This was not cultural. It was countercultural. To uncover his feet and lie down next to him was bold, doesn't even begin to capture what she's asking Ruth to do. Hugely courageous. And then she says, he will tell you what to do. Well, which he would be the one telling her what to do? Ambiguous in the Hebrew. Wow. It's not identified which he that would be. And so it could be God or it could be Boaz. And we'll just have to see as the story unfolds who it turns out to be. Ah, wow. It's interesting how specific Naomi's instructions are. We look at the first part of the book and we see that she's taking the girls on this walk and then changes her mind, whatever happens there, and indecision and, and all of that. And then now we come here where she's back in Bethlehem, where she belongs, and she is making it crystal clear what to do. And I think that's because God is telling Naomi what to tell Ruth. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Thing that Naomi's making up off the top of her head. She's had these six weeks to think about what would be the best thing for Ruth, and God has had those six weeks to tell Naomi, here's how it's going to go. Because as you say, this is very specific, direct. There's, not, there's nothing flim-flammy about it. It's very clear, which may be why Ruth is so quick to say, I will do whatever you say. Mm-hmm. See, I'd have a million questions. How much of his feet do I uncover? How close do I lay? What's this going to work like? What's he going to say? But she, she not only trusts Naomi, she trusts Boaz, this man. She has worked under him for six weeks. She sees the kind of character he has. But it's far more than that. Ruth trusts God. Naomi's God and Boaz's God is her God, and she trusts him. When God asks us to do something, this is our opportunity to say, I will do whatever you say. Mm, I, however, like to throw up a thousand questions. Oh, but Lord. Oh, oh, but Lord. Ruth does not do that. And I I think she is, again, an amazing role model to us for that. I love how you uh, say that, uh, you know, Ruth is getting, or pardon me, Naomi is getting her instructions from God. This is a great place to remind all of us that God will instruct us and teach us in the way we should go. He will guide us with his, with his eye. Watch over us with his eye. Psalm 32, verse 8, reminds us of that. And what a great picture this is. We can have specific directions from God. And, of course, that guidance comes for us 
from the Holy Spirit. Absolutely, through the Word. And uh, that's beautiful. And the last verse that we're looking at today, so she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law instructed. Yep, everything, just exactly as she was told. Once again, we're seeing Ruth's obedience, her trust. Her level of trust is just huge. Yeah, it is, it is. It is. So we, in this portion, we've seen that, that uh, you know, Boaz sees the character of Ruth, but Ruth is also seeing the character of Boaz. And in seeing that character, she's seeing the character of God. She is. Absolutely. Because Boaz was reflecting the character of God in this story. What is our takeaway today, Liz? Well, I think... Um for me, as I, as I did the study and as I asked God to show me what I need to learn, clearly it, we're back to obedience and, if I may say it, hard work. Ruth works hard. She does not live in some ivory tower just thinking about the goodness of God. She's out there, hands in the dirt, trusting God. When she falls on her face before Boaz and says, "'Why have I found grace in thine eyes?' Imagine this. Ruth's hands are clinging to the soil that are now going to soon belong to her. That land will be hers oh, wow. as his wife. But she doesn't know that. No. All she knows is, I will be obedient. And God alone does the blessing. So we work hard, but we don't work for the blessing. We work for the obedience and trust God for the blessing. I hope I've made a distinction there because there really is for me. I want to work for my own blessing. Let me just work so hard, I'm going to get what I want. And that's not what God is asking no. for us to do. He says, you work hard, face down, trust me in this. Just trust me. Don't ask a million questions. It will all be done according to my will for your life, and it will be good. It's a promise from God. It will be good. What a wonderful wrap-up that God knows the beginning from the end. And he certainly has been helping us unfold and unwrap this story of Ruth. Liz, thank you for giving us such great insights on this portion of the scripture in this fourth segment of our study together. I know that you're going to join me again next time. Thanks a lot. And I'd love to hear from you, my listeners. Email me with your thoughts or comments about today's show, ruth at wordstoinspire.ca, or visit my website, wordstoinspire.ca. You can also visit the store on my website where you can purchase the first of my WOW Bible studies, Woman of Worth, Lifelong Encouragement from Psalm 139 and just released the four-DVD set to accompany that first book, a great resource to encourage you in your spiritual journey. God's Word is so powerful, and Words to Inspire wants to stir up your desire to memorize, meditate, study, and apply the life-changing truths of Scripture. The theme verse for this book on Ruth, this series that we are doing, I've chosen from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 in the message, and it reads, Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Tune in again next week, same time and station. I'm Ruth Coghill with Words to Inspire. Bye for now. <laughs>